tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Oh, AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome into the very first episode of Dodgers Wrap 360 right here on AfterBuzz TV and AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Bobby DeMiro. Next to me on the table, Jared Gilkerson and Kevin John. Gentlemen, hello. Ah. What's up? Feels good. <laughs> Guys, if you are at home watching right now, we are live streaming on YouTube. So if you're watching this live, you can uh, hit comments on YouTube there. You can tweet us. Um, we are doing basically a recap show every Sunday of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the week that was, trades, transactions, rumors, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, the six or seven games they play every single week. We've got a lot to talk about. This week, the Dodgers go 5-2. and two. They just came back on the Milwaukee Brewers with a Adrian Gonzalez two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth inning this afternoon. Win 5-7 of seven this week. Gentlemen, let's start right there. You go 5-2. and two. You play seven games against two really bad teams at home. Are you happy with a 5-2 and two record this week? Uh, I'm not ecstatic. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm content. I mean, they're still in first place. I Really nothing to be worried about, but... The way they won these games is is a little shaky, you know. All the the comebacks, it's just I don't feel great about two teams that you should destroy. So I feel okay that they got out of it five and two, but uh, it's kind of what they should do. So I'm kind of just it's par for the course, and I guess I feel okay about it. You know, I'll say this. I, I think it, first of all, it goes to continuously show how more or less at home they particularly do very well, but. It also, I think, it, it, it comes a little better because they're coming off a demoralizing loss exactly a week ago last Sunday. And, you know, the fact that they were able to at least somewhat recover from that and get on the right foot is good. But still, you're talking about two losses to two teams that are, you know, mediocre. So uh, No, let's be honest. The Phillies and the Brewers suck. They know they suck. <laughs> Everyone knows they suck. I'm surprised by you guys. Uh, five and two. You go. We win five out of seven games. You're going to win about 110 games across the year. Sure. That's obviously not a pace they're going to sustain. But at home, I think you win five out of seven. You end up 12 games over 500 at the All-Star break. I'm real happy. I agree with you, Jared, about the Milwaukee Brewers series. You win the other night on three unearned runs on kind of a fluke after you can't hit Jimmy Nelson for six or seven innings. And then you win today. You did what you should do and come back at the end of the game. But again, they were stymied for seven innings and couldn't figure it out against the Brewers again today. Couple that with the loss with the Brewers and Taylor Youngman throws, you know, a three-hit shutout or whatever mm-hmm. he does. That is a concern. But I think you look at a team 12 over 500 at the All-Star break, four and a half, five games up in the division. I know the Giants went cold a little bit, but hey, life's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you make a good point, Bobby. And wins a win. I mean, that's just, you get back to base. Any way you win the game, it's fine. So I'm just, I'm happy. But it's just that fan you know, in the back of my head, I'm just like, uh, I'm just thinking about all the little things that could go wrong and yep. thinking how the week could have been, you know, it could have easily been three and four. Well, that and also that you think, you know, once they get further in and even into the postseason, shall they make it, you know, they can't be making some of these same mistakes to barely win games that they that we've seen uh, that's indicative of them uh, this past week. So I think from a concern point of view, yeah, Acts 5-2, and two, I think anybody would take that over seven games. Oh, but yeah. When you look at some of the critical errors and knowing if you want to go deeper into the season, you can't, you know, there's no room for uncertainty, doubt, or any of those things. You know, you, you have to get it done. Let's get it done with the Phillies series right now. Dodgers take three of four. The fourth game they lose to a former Dodger. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the first thing I think in this Phillies series, Granke and Kershaw kind of said to each other, you know what, if you guys aren't going to score any runs for us, that's fine. We'll toss shutouts. I mean, they're not going to do that every start. They're not going to do that every week. But finally, and they get a little bit of run support too, but finally both those guys say enough's enough. I'm not going to lose a game or leave with a no decision in a 2-2 tie in the eighth. We're going to win a game, and I'm going to throw a shutout. Both of them shoved. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Gricky, you know, really, that's just been the story for him this season. Incredible pitching, no run support. You know, and, it, you know, I, th- I think it, I, w- I want to say at least up to about two to three weeks ago, he had under a, a, um, a one ERA. I think it was like .8 or .95 or something like that. And 
hit, um, in those particular games that he was um, still pitching well, the team was putting up absolutely no runs. So I think with Grinky, first of all, it shows the perseverance that he has because it's really hard to go out there and do well when you're not getting support on the other end. And, you know, I appreciate the fact that him and Kershaw, like you said, Bobby, were like, look, you know, we're going to do our job. We just need a little bit of help from you guys. So I think it's just a testament to them, you know, uh, uh, being able to play ultimately as a team this week. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, that that, that, that Grinky is, is Dylan and yes. Dylan well. <laughs> they both are. I mean, it's, it's just, it, I love great pitching. And that's why you got these guys in the first place, to, to come out and do this. And Grinky's been doing it all year. I mean, he's on a hell of a streak right now, yep. the scoreless inning streak. Uh, what is it, 35-plus? It is uh, 35.2 innings. There's not a lot of runs since June 13th. Oh. He retired the last 21 hitters he faced Insane. this week against Phillies, too. One thing of note, there are six pitchers in the live ball era to have five straight scoreless starts. Zach Greinke is now one of them. Mm. The last one to do it was Ryan Dempster in 2012. You could have pulled that name out of your ass. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> but Greinke is now one of those six. Um, That's great. Uh, he's phenomenal. Does he deserve to start the All-Star game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're Dodgers fans, so like, <laughs> what am I gonna say? Like, no, let's let's let him back. No, let's. He's the best pitcher in baseball right now. Yeah. yeah. And a side note: only foul ball I've ever gotten in a game pitched by Zach Greinke That's all at that Wrigley Field. He was pitching for the Brewers, but uh, so not. I haven't had any luck in Dodger Stadium. But that was just a little story. But I, why not? Just start the game. He's he's the best pitcher in baseball. I agree. I hundred percent agree. And it's funny, you know, how potentially we can have two back to back. Cy Young Award winners, you know, which I'm not sure the last time that's been done, the same team with two different pitchers to do it consecutive years. But, um, you know, it, it just goes to show that, shoot, you know, our rotation is, uh, at least them two of our rotation are pretty solid. Yeah, look, Grinky outshines Kershaw. Kershaw, a couple notes for you guys, a 1.53 ERA in his last nine starts. He's the MLB leader in strikeouts, and he is playing second fiddle on this team. He's obviously better than his 6-6 six and six record. That does not tell the whole story, yeah. but he's still not the best pitcher on the club, and he's having a hell of a year. I like that, though, because yeah. all the pressure that's been on him to, okay, come time to playoffs, we're gonna, you know, you're going to start twice in every series, like you're going to go. So maybe this is the best thing for him as you get later in the year. Just, yeah. you know, a little less pressure. Hey, you're not going to start game one of the playoffs. Let's just ease you into it. So I kind of like Grinky, you know, just balling way better than Kershaw right now. I, I 100% agree because if you if you remember the playoff series last year, Kershaw was the one that had some atrocious outings out there. I mean, he, he had a few innings where he gave up, you know, uh, north of five runs. So I think, for one, this does take a lot of pressure off of him. And it's good because, it's look, okay, we can be, be Batman and Robin here. You know, I don't have to do everything on my own. So I think it will relax him a little bit more, and I think he'll be able to get more in a, a groove. So. Now, the third Dodgers win against Philadelphia came not from Granke, not from Kershaw, but from the kitchen sink, from the bullpen. Yimmy Garcia starts those two innings. Eric Surkamp came out of nowhere and throws yeah. three and a third. Yeah. And they get a real ugly win. Let me tell you what. I know the two Granke-Kershaw games are real important and they're real cool. The most important game they won this week was that bullpen game because they effectively gave it away and said, we're protecting pitching. We got to just throw Surkamp, who they DFA'd the next day. Yeah. We got to do what we can with these guys and just extend it a little bit and get to the All-Star break. And they won the damn game. Yeah. And That's, the bullpen's been so questionable, too. Absolutely. And, and, and Sir Camp didn't look great, but he didn't have to look great. They yeah. eight innings, and at the end of the day, they were ahead. That's all that matters. And they, I think that, for them, is the most impressive win this week. Was that Friday? That was um, on Monday. Oh, they Monday. won 10-7 okay. on Monday oh, you're right, you're right, yeah. behind Garcia yeah. and Sir Camp. I know it's ugly. I know it's stupid. Yeah. We're never going to see Sir Camp in a Dodger uniform again unless something <laughs> catastrophic happens. Yeah. But that's a real important win. And when you're talking about a team in 162 games, you got to win some games like that. Well, yeah. another All Star yeah. coming in the clutch too. Yasmani just yeah. was was huge with the three run home run that you know tied it up. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it seems some things are kind of starting to gel a little bit. You know, everyone was yeah. the bullpen's terrible. You know, oh we can't hit. But you know, I know hitting this week was a little tough against teams that you should be. I mean, they killed it on at the beginning of the week, but. I think some there's a little more consistency with the team. Guys are starting to get a little healthier. The rotation isn't as scary as we thought. Like a month ago, we were all saying, oh, my God, we need someone else in there. We need another pitcher. But I, I, I kind of think they're kind of gelling, and they're they're winning ball games. And, okay, four and a half up in the division, or five and a half it is now. So 
I, I can't complain. And I still think they need another pitcher. But considering Kershaw and Granke, who are almost givens at this point, considering Mike Bolsinger, we're going to talk about in a second, they're doing better than I think we thought. <laughs> well, do you want a bullpen guy or a starter? I, I, well, I want both, to be honest. Oh, well, yeah. But you're talking about a team with the best ERA in the National League. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, what are you complaining about here? You can exactly. always get better, and they should get better. But let's be honest, they're in a good position, and when you're 12 up at the All-Star break, there ain't nothing to complain about. Yeah. What, do you, what do you want to wait? 18 up? Good luck. <laughs> well, yeah, go, go to St. Louis for that. <laughs> well, you know, that's what I was going to say. Now, seeing how, um, you know, obviously they are leading a somewhat competitive division, Um how comfortable do you? That's think? Give, that's putting it. That's putting. That's a very positive spin on the division. That, that is uh, okay. Uh, Giant San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then San Diego, kind of earlier, uh, they kind of fizzled. But uh, basically, what I'm trying to say is, are the Dodgers at a point now, not necessarily where they can coast, but do you feel that they can sit comfortably in the NL West where they're at right now, going into the All Star break? No, I do. But the Giants will get hot again. The Diamondbacks have been surprising. I don't think they're going to be there at the end. They don't have the pitching. Ruby De La Rosa is not going to be a guy you yeah. see in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. no offense to him. I think he could be good one day. Today is not that day. <laughs> uh, the Rockies are non. You know they're inconsequential. Nothing. And the Padres. Oh, we'll talk about them later. I want to take a minute on them later. But okay. oh my god. Yeah. But to answer your question, yeah, I think they can coast a little bit. The problem with coasting is you do it for three weeks, and all <laughs> I know, of a sudden right? you're in trouble. The other problem with coasting, and this has happened to the Dodgers, and you look at World Series champs and and teams that make it far in the playoffs recently. The teams that make it far, let's talk about the Royals and Giants last year. Those are teams that are fighting for wild card spots late in the year, mm-hmm. and they go from playing effectively playoff games in mid September to playing in the playoffs in October. Yeah. The Dodgers are coasting in mid September because they're going to win the division, and then they show up October 1st and say, oh crap, this is yep. for real. These, yep. these guys are ready to play. And it's embarrassed them a couple years in a row now. We've seen it. So you yeah. almost want to be that second team on the outside looking in. You want to be where Pittsburgh is, where San Francisco is, you know, yeah. maybe where Atlanta is. You want to be one of those teams that says, hey, we got a shot, but we can't coast, and we got to get hot at the right time. And if we do, yeah. watch out. The only team that can coast is St. Louis. They've just perfected it. Yeah. <laughs> like somehow they yeah. just, they just, you know, have you seen the discrepancy of, you know, the American League, every team's in the wild card race, but the National League, they're just, they're, it's the 27 games between the first and last place team. It's insane. Mm-hmm. But they can, they, they can coast. But I, I see what you mean. I think the Dodgers, uh, yeah, I don't like that word. I just don't like the yeah, word coast. Maybe not, maybe not coast, but can cruise. Maybe just when know. they play San Francisco, put your playoff hat on because they can't beat them this year, and th- you need to win those games. Yeah. Well, they're going to lose the division if they. And, I mean, I think they'll make the proper adjustments. You know, and back me up, Jared. You know this better than I do. When they play playoff teams, oh. put your playoff hat on this year because they haven't done it yet. Oh my God, eight and eighteen against the top six teams other than themselves. In the National League, and they haven't played Washington yet. They haven't played Pittsburgh yet. Two and five against St. Louis. Two and two against the Cubs. One and two against the Mets, and three and nine against the Giants. That's really concerning, including a sweep. Actually, yeah. So. I mean, they're just—it's real bad with San Francisco. <sighs> to me, it's real bad with the Mets. The Mets had kind of collapsed when they came into LA. Mm-hmm. What ten days ago? Two weeks ago? Last weekend? Yeah. That's real bad to lose two out of three at home to the Mets. That's a terrible series. Yeah. Um, and then the other concern is St. Louis. You can't beat them in the regular season. Good luck in the playoffs. Yep. You know, who, who can beat them right now? I mean, you just don't have to worry about them until, you know, worry about everyone else. And then when you have to play <laughs> St. Louis, do it. But it's that, that number is really concerning to me. And the plethora of home games they've played so far, uh, they're just, that's what their record is built on, just dominating home field. Mm-hmm. But when they get on the road, we were talking before we went live, they're not as, you know, they're not horrible, but they're going to have to get a lot better. Or, I mean, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be pessimistic here, but they will lose the division if they keep playing against these teams the way they have. I mean, mm-hmm. they have plenty of games against the Giants left. You can't you can't lose nine of twelve. I mean, you can't yep. do that. Uh, Dodgers are thirty three and seventeen at home now, so they're taking two out of every three yeah. at home. Eighteen and twenty two on the road is a real nice road record. That's respectable. But yes. yeah, yeah, look at major league road records around yes. baseball. Eighteen and twenty two, you're doing okay. Yeah, but you got to find out a way to win. Big games on the road. They didn't do it in St. Louis, and we'll see if they do it in Washington. They play Washington immediately after the All Star break. Three mm. in DC. That's going to be a really big series for them. Yeah. Um, one more thing on this Philly series before we get carried away with looking ahead. Chad Billingsley coming back. I'm interested in this. If you <laughs> back, can ahead. we sign him? No. Listen, if you're commenting at home, I'm actually interested in what Dodgers think about him. I want to know if Dodgers fans hate him for having success. We gave up on him. Screw this guy. Or if they say, Hey, good for him. I mean, he was injured for two straight years. I would love to know what Dodgers fans think. 
think about Chad Billingsley, so comment. It maybe is inconsequential. You don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But the way he threw the ball this week for the oh. Phillies, man, sweet. You wouldn't mind having him in the rotation. Yeah. That being said. I can understand why you give up on him after two years being injured. That's what I'm saying, you know. And, and also, you know, it's funny. Fans obviously get so passionate when their star, whatever, is injured. We've seen it in all sports, but all different. Apps. You know, when they're injured for a period of time, it's upsetting because they can't be out there and do what they do best. So with Chad personally, I don't. I mean, I'm not mad at him. You can't help injuries unless you're somebody like the Spurs dude or you know whoever Steve Blake. Um, but yeah, typically saying you can't help injuries. So at the end of the day, as as a fan of me, I'm happy to see him prosper. Uh, unfortunately, not against our team. But uh, reason to say, you know, I, I'm happy to see him prosper. And it's unfortunate that we did throw in the towel on him, maybe a little prematurely. But then again, I don't know if two years you could technically say that's premature. But at the end of the day. I mean, he looks like he got his mojo back, and, um, you know, um, big ups to him. Yeah, well, Bobby was making a great point before we went on. You said that, I think you said he reminds you kind of of Anderson a little bit. Maybe I think you said that. Maybe not. Maybe I was just, you know, thinking of myself. (laughs) But we were talking so much about Anderson. (laughs) Those two guys remind me so much of each other. You know, injury issues. Everyone kind of thinks they're done. And then, you know, Brett's kind of surprised this year. Billingsley bounced back this year. We kind of wish we had him, you know. Frias is on the DL now, and it'd be kind of nice to have Billingsley and and Anderson in there. But, uh, you know, we didn't trade him in the division. It's not like he's winning games for the Giants or something. So he's on the Phillies. He's on the worst team in baseball. Uh, Fine. As long as they're not hurting us. Yeah, no, have, yeah. I mean, have fun, you know, not playing in October. Yeah. Not to sound terrible about him. And he is. Him and, him and Brett Anderson have a few similarities in that regard that when they're on the mound, more or less, most of the time, there's no question that they have the talent to compete. It's just a question of can you get him back on the mound. Mm-hmm. If he does, hey, more power to him. Would yeah. love to see him succeed. Hopefully he never comes back to the NL West <laughs> unless it's L.A. Uh, love, Everyone's love trying to, to jump succeed. ship out of Philly. <laughs> Who's that, Papelbon and Hamels? They just want out. Uh, listen. I any, don't blame them. Anytime you have a manager resign in the middle of the season yeah. not get fired resign especially a baseball guy like ryan sandberg mm. red alert should go up yeah. sirens should go up it's a disaster over there what maybe happened? it's gonna get better what happened what ruben amaro jr happened yeah <laughs> that's the long and short of it yeah. um it, it's a disaster over there and they've got look i mean not to get on the phillies but yeah. they've got ryan howard chase utley cole hamels older guys huge contracts cliff lee you mm-hmm. know hamels and utley are still valuable but you got these huge contracts with these guys you got to move them i'm surprised yeah. they haven't moved them yet that's it'll, what i was thinking too happening. yeah yeah, yeah. they got to clear up some of that room, you know. Just don't, just don't sign him. We don't need. Uh, that's fine. We're fine. <laughs> it's not a Phillies insider here. We're talking Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the Brewers series. They win two out of three. Come from behind. Win today. First game. I want to start with Taylor Youngman for the Brewers through a gem on Friday night. Um, excuse, yeah, Friday night. Uh, or excuse me, on Saturday. What, night. Yeah. what do we think about the Dodgers not hitting the young guy? First round draft pick, 2011, for the Brewers at the University of Texas. This is his second straight start throwing eight or more innings, allowing one or fewer runs. Maybe he's figuring it out, but boy, you hate to see losing at home to a real young guy. This isn't, I guess, going into the game when when you know when Frias goes on the DL and we have to start Beachy. I was, I honestly wasn't thinking. Okay, we we got this. Like I, I was thinking, uh, let's just see if he can put put us in a position to win, and maybe the bullpen can help us out. You know, we couldn't hit him either. Like so. Going into this game, it was kind of like, uh, I just thought this is going to be a loss. I, I mean, a lot of fans thought that. Uh, he really locked us up. I mean, we were locked up. Uh, I don't know what else to say. It was a terrible game. Maybe the worst game this week. So it, I, it, Look, I mean, uh, I think, too, I mean, credit to Youngman because he's a great pitcher. He's going to throw yeah. the ball real well, and they love him. And he's thrown, he's had seven real good starts in Milwaukee. But it's a credit, too, of unfamiliarity. The Dodgers never see this guy. They're mm-hmm. very infrequently going to see this guy if he stays in Milwaukee the next two years. You, you might see him twice a year mm-hmm. if his turn comes up in the rotation. So you're not familiar with him. You've got Beachy going and you're trying to get what you get. They made a real late decision on Beachy. I would have preferred you see him after the break and give him another 10 yeah. days. But mm-hmm. at this point, he's been out two years. So what's 10 days, I guess? Um, and he didn't throw terribly, but he flat out got beat. Well, he kinda, it kind of makes you think, you know, the fact that they haven't seen enough, uh, a lot of him and the the fact that, you know, this is the first time uh, facing him, you, you kind of wonder, did they lack the preparation going into it? And maybe because there was no tape, there was nothing really to study, um, unfortunately. But still, at the end of the day, I still don't think that's a legitimate excuse for only being able to get three hits. You know, I think there's a that's more of a testament to, you know, just, just the slumping and other things that transpired. But at the end of the day, I mean, you still got to hand it to him, you know. And uh, in addition to that, the fact that Beachy got 
beachy bit, you know, and I have no idea what I meant by that. Beachy bit. He got beachy bit. There's a joke you know? in there somewhere. Yeah, thank you. Life, but, you life, know, I, I, life wasn't a beach, is that it? There life, you go. Yeah, <laughs> there was a beach that Saturday night. But um, at the end of the day, you know, if you if you can't hit, you got to have uh, phenomenal pitching. Neither of those happened that day, and that's why you saw them both at the opposite ends of the spectrum. So, And you got a stopper on Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. Brett Anderson was a stopper this week. I think, and, and we were talking about this early when you talk about the week as a whole. If you go, when you go five and two in a week, real happy. Don't care no. who you play, you go five and two, great. Yeah. You go four and three yeah, against two bad teams, not as happy. So you had, I think Sunday for them was a must win game. Finish strong in the All Star break. You know that everybody's mind is already checked out at mm-hmm. the All Star break. You're saying we're done, we got four days off, so you got to win the mental battle. Brett Anderson comes in and says, okay, we're going we're gonna to pitch well enough. He threw real well. Kept the team in the game, and sure enough, bottom of the eighth, boom, you take the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love Anderson, by the way. This is the image. Like, I, he's one of my favorite players on the team. Just because anyone who battles like that, you know, and injuries, and it's just great seeing him come through and be healthy. And he's exceeding expectations. He's like the great overachiever right now. And he's mm-hmm. kind of the opposite of Granky and Kershaw. Granky's going to miss a lot of bats. Kershaw's going to strike everybody out. Brad Anderson's just throwing ground balls. Did you? you know? Oh yeah, today I think it was. Uh, I think I believe it was twelve ground ball outs out of the twenty-one outs. Wow! So it was just it was it was great. I mean, the game was flying today. It was, yeah, it was over in like two and a half hours. And so. that's what he does. Yeah, he the pace of pay, pace of play. People at Major League Baseball love him. But that's <laughs> yeah. what he does when he's right, and that's why the Dodgers need a guy like that. You can't you can't have a strikeout guy every fit. You know, all five turns of the rotation, or if you do, you're going to spend four hundred million dollars on those yeah. five guys alone. Yeah. So you need yeah. guys like this. Anderson comes at what ten eleven million dollars is not a bad contract for a year, especially considering what he's given them so far. Mm. He's doing a great job. Uh, the only thing I'm concerned with is in this Brewer series as a whole is the bats kind of disappear. Youngman shut him down. Friday night, they score three unearned runs on Jimmy Nelson, who had a no-hitter through six innings. Yeah. And then today, they get four runs. They end up getting the big home run. But for a while there, it didn't look so hot. What happened to the bats the last three days? Because Milwaukee, hey, credit to Taylor Youngman. That team's no good. Kyle Loesch, who started today, is awful. He's having a terrible year. You got to come up with more than two runs off him. Well, we've talked about how we were really concerned earlier in the year, and I was talking trash about Rollins, and actually he's yeah, he's actually he one of the few guys. This week, yeah, man. He's, been a good week. he's been okay. Give but the grandfather credit. You said you know maybe <laughs> checking out. Uh, it, the concern about their hitting is when you have a team that's so heavy on the long ball. I mean, 113 home runs mm-hmm. this, this first half of the year. I mean, that's that's like 15 until the next team. They're so long ball heavy. Is that if you just have a week where you you know don't crush the ball, okay, you're not going to score runs. Mm-hmm. That's a little worrisome because their 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 average is basically that it's just average as a team. So I think it's 251 as a team they're averaging. So I don't think it's a surprise that they didn't put up the runs. I think they're going to have weeks like this because they're so they're just hitting bombs, and they're going to have weeks you don't do it. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of makes you think you know live by the long ball, die by the long yep. ball. You know, um, and unfortunately that is kind of the Achilles heel. And Bobby kind of talked about it earlier, particularly with Peterson, how, you know, I, I, he's an all-star, you know, not a bad player. He's but starting, that, too. He's, yeah, he's starting. Thank you. Um, but the fact that, you know, his, his home run to strikeout ratio is just astronomical. And, you know, I think a lot of times when you look at that kind of stuff, it's like, well, you know, you can't rely on getting a home run every time you're up there. So you're going to strike out the other 80 times or 90 times and you, you know, obviously you can't get anything going. And it kind of reminds me of the, um, the game last Sunday, which I happened to be there. And you want to talk about bats frozen or not working. I, I, it, it looked like, it honestly looked like, you know, this was like a spring training game and they were just, you know, they just, they were just new chickens that hatched because it was atrocious just to watch. I mean, um, you know, you had hitters late on pitches. You had um, a, a, a severe amount of strikeouts. It just was not. It just did not look like they ever got into a rhythm or a flow out there. And it was kind of the same thing that happened. Um, you know, well earlier today, uh, prior to the uh, two-run bomb by uh, Gonzalez. But you know, you just you just kind of see when they get into those situations where they can't hit anything. It's just three up, three down, three up, three down, and it's frustrating. So I think it's just a slump. Like I think it's just they'll, they'll they'll bust out of it, and it's that combination of you got your old guys, you got your guys like Gonzalez and Rollins and Ethier and these guys and guys that that will slump from time to time, and then yep. you have that combination with young guys who are are really going to go through these stretches. I mean, Jock's still learning how to just hit in the majors. He can't even hit opposite. You know, they shift them every time. They're going to jam them, or it's, they're pitch them out. It's, like, it's 
it, it, everything's gelling. I think it's gelling. Just a bad hitting week, which is the best week to have a bad hitting week against two bad teams. teams. And, and you get two shutouts from Granky and yeah, Kershaw. If you're going to exactly. do a bad hitting week, do it this week. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I just want to say, you know, throughout it all, though, I think that at least this uh, last particular week, I think Kendricks was re- pretty good, pretty solid. Oh, howdy, and, yeah. you know, between the slump and the young folks, I think he's kind of just really been the glue to kind of... He's been the same pump. player for a decade. Yeah. He's played he's in the same city, and consistent. he's been the most consistent guy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I, I would have asked you guys this week, Howie Kendrick or D. Gordon, looking back on it. But considering Gordon just got injured, I think you want Kendrick. Yeah, Kendrick. At least for the Let's next few Kendrick. weeks. <laughs> uh, but Gordon was having a great year, I was too. about to say, Gordon, I, I was personally upset when, when they let Gordon go. I, I I mean, just so much. You're talking about us needing a number one uh, hitter, right? You know, a oh, leadoff, leadoff hitter and whatnot. Gordon, I think, is the, you know... Uh, Quintessential consummate uh, leadoff hitter professional. Like. I still think Kendrick should be hitting leadoff. That's an argument for yeah. I, I, that's a debate. And I've heard other other fans talk about it. The guy's almost batting three hundred. He's still got speed. Uh, we're talking about Rollins being a veteran and respecting it, but there's at some point halfway through the year for guys batting two thirteen, uh, that's the highest his batting average has been all year. You got to think about mixing it up. July's say- been down for hitting and runs. I'm just they're winning the division, but. Let's let's put it, let's put someone else that can hit and get on base. I understand what you're saying, but you can't put Rollins, your veteran, at the eighth. I think you can. I, I no. I, I, I listen. I got anybody would, anybody getting on base at a 266 clip, which Robert <laughs> Rollins is doing right now. I think you put him in the eight hole. There you go. But here, here's the problem. Reserve for AJ Ellis. <laughs> here's the problem. But, uh, Dodgers have one guy with an on base percentage above 375. That's Yasmani Grandal. He's played in less hmm. games. And then you got Andre Ethier at 372, and Jock's on base percentage at 366. Those are okay, but you need a guy or two who's going to be 380, 390. Yes. You would love to have guys getting on base 38 to 40 percent of the time. They only have one guy doing that. It's the catcher in yeah. you know limited duty, two thirds of the time duty. They have a huge feast or famine problem. Home runs, ton of them. Strikeouts, a ton of them, especially from Jock Peterson. And then a huge feast or famine problem days. They'll go a couple days scoring a run a game, and then they'll put up 10, like yeah. they did against Philly on exactly. Monday or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, I know it's a long season, 162 games. You're going to go through these stretches. But it's a weird kind of dichotomy they've got going on, and they do the same thing on home versus road splits. Mm-hmm. They don't hit on the road. They don't hit against lefties. they got a lot of problems. What's I, the record with, I just if you know off the top of your head, for home runs for a team in a season? I know this isn't the stereotype. Steroid era anymore, but listen, late to early two thousands, the Rockies and teams like that were hitting like two twenty a year, and yeah. I'm not even sure that's the record. Oh yeah, there's the teams. The Yankees were hitting a whole bunch of, like early two yeah. thousands as well. Yeah. I would think Oakland back in the early nineties probably had a record in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, not for nothing. Because how many steroid people did they have on there? At not least two. for nothing. Who was the Dodgers hitting coach? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, look at you look at strategy, yeah. and these Mark players McCoy. look professional players. They do what they do, and they prepare themselves. But hitting coaches and scouting reports are going to play into it, and McGuire is going to have a little bit of a decision making process there too. And obviously, he's not saying, "Hey, let's hit a home run every time." But his advice and the way that he strategizes and the way yeah. that he looks at these point. things is going to factor in a little bit, especially a guy like Peterson who's got thirty thirty power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's a great point. Yeah, you see Mark over there just looking. He's like, let's keep all the power guys in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Dodgers, real quick, because we're talking about this now for hitting. Dodgers are ninth in the league in hitting. They're hitting two fifty one. Not terrible, especially when you're one of the best top, pitching yeah. teams in the league. You can't complain about that. A uh, couple notes, though. On the road, they are hitting just two forty three. On the road, they get on base 32% of the time, which is not great. And lefty starters are killing the Dodgers. The Dodgers are hitting 226 against left-handed starters this year. Why does that matter? What about Gio Gonzalez in Washington? Madison Bumgarner with the Giants? Francisco Liriano and Jeff Locke in Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. Uh, John Lester with the Cubs? John Neese with the Mets? And Robbie Ray with the Diamondbacks? Those are good left-handed starters mm-hmm. on decent to good teams that you're going to see this year and or in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It, it's frustr- Got to figure it out. It's frustrating because like we said, it's they're not as bad on the road. You know, they're right with the average in the majors, but the second half of the schedule is going to be a lot harder than the first half. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to be better. They're going to have to hit better on the road. So it, I guess we, it's, it's wait and see. You can't just ah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we have to wait and see. Like it's just they're they're in first place right now. We'll see how it goes. Exactly. No. No. Uh, and another thing that I've noticed as well that I've taken from them, at least you know, the last month or so, is just the amount of runners they stranded on base. And that half, we see that game after game. Even last uh, the, the last game I was at when they got shut out. We're still stranding runners on base. And if you cannot 
I mean, I don't know what the percentage is of how many runners they've stranded over the last month. I'm sure it's not that good. Let's just put a, let's just throw out a percentage. Right? We'll just make one up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who's checking? We need Elias in here or whoever. <laughs> but at any rate, you know, at, at the end of the day, if you're stranding runners, you're not getting runners in, you know, especially when they're in scoring position as well. I mean, that's even all the more atrocious. But, you know, I think it's very difficult to get in a rhythm and get run production if you can't get anybody in. So I think that's another thing that, you know, going into the second half of the season, the Dodgers are really going to have to do a lot better job, you know, hitting runners in when, you know, when they're in scoring position. When it counts. So, or when it counts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pressure's on. They can't, but. They can hit home runs when it's, you know, all, all these solo shots where nobody's on base. and Can every away game just be in Colorado? Can we just do that? Hey, the Dodgers struggled in Colorado last time. No, I know, went. but they still put up runs. Yeah. Like, if, we're, if <laughs> well, you're trying to get out of a slump hitting, yeah. go there. Dude, the ball flies in Colorado. I, I don't know I if it's the it. altitude up there or what it is, man. But That's, Those games are so exciting to me. I mean, I love defense, and I, but when you have games, the most home runs in the league, and the, and the Dodgers go to Colorado, I'm putting that game on. I mean, it's going to be like a three-and-a-half-hour game, yeah. but, you know. That's a great. I love watching those games. We don't have enough time for me to talk about Coors Field on this show. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, all this criticism, all this talk, not for nothing. Again, we know they're 12 games over 500. <laughs> right. They're five up in the division. It, it, you know, life is good. But if you're not mentioning these things, I think you're lying to yourself. If you say the Dodgers don't have problems. Every team, I don't care how good you are, if mm. we were doing a Cardinal show, we'd find 100 problems with the Cardinals. Maybe just two. <laughs> Every team uh, yeah. has these problems. A uh, couple quick notes. We had a comeback kids section. Already yeah. talked about two of them, Brandon Beachy. Mm. Uh, congratulations to him on coming back first. The process, the grind of going through two years, he'll obviously get better. He's not going to go four innings every start. Uh, Chad Billingsley for the Phillies, former Dodger. Good for him. Hope you, you know, wish you success, not against LA. The third comeback kid, Shinwei Sao, won the game Friday night in relief. You guys, 10 years ago, in May of 2005, Shinwei Sao was the closer for the Colorado Rockies. He came in in a two-run lead in May, I think it was like May 14th, gave up three runs like that, blew a save. Rockies scored two in the bottom of the ninth, gave him a win. He has not won a major league game since that day. And wow. His, and the last and one, time he played last was 10, 10 years. He was with the Dodgers in 07. Yeah. He went to Taiwan in 2010 in Taiwan. He got caught up in a betting scandal where he was fixing games in exchange for sex and cash. I'm not making All this right. up. All right. I mean, Google. sorry. Taiwanese baseball You're banned kidding. him. I'm not kidding. Taiwanese baseball banned him. Give him a medal. In January, he tried to sign in the Australian Baseball League because of his lifetime ban in Taiwan. The Australian Baseball League said, we don't want to mess with it. We don't want you know these governing bodies. We can't do this. The Dodgers picked him up. I never thought we'd see him. Yeah. Holy crap. Sounds like a Lifetime movie right here. What? I mean, gracious. A, a couple weird things with him, a couple great things with him. He was a huge prospect 10 years ago. He threw the ball really hard. He was the first Taiwanese player to ever play in Major League Baseball. Still got a good arm. We'll see what How he does he for the Dodgers. I think he's 33, I want to okay. say. I believe so he, he was really young when he, he was, was young. He came anyway, up yeah. real fast. I believe he's 33. I might be wrong about that. I apologize. But he's got a good story and a weird story. I don't 34. know how much we're going to see from him. Yeah. But so far, listen, to come back and get a win 10 years later, good for you. I love that. Anyone who, anyone who's, you know, exchanging wins and sex and all kinds of stuff, that's great. That's some rock and roll stuff right there. I'm in. And I don't care. Maybe I'm sure you and the Secret Service maybe, will get along maybe, quite well with Maybe he'll candles. fire up this, uh, this, this locker room with his shenanigans. Jared is now, uh, banned from the Taiwanese Baseball League for life. No, I'm like Mr. Baseball over there. I'm like Tom Selleck. They love me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, I, think, I, I look at this as the ultimate redemption story. You know, you have a guy, and honestly, thank you for sharing that, Bobby, because I'll be honest, I didn't know much about his history or his background, but yeah. you know, just listening to that and seeing him able to get another win despite what he's been through the last 10 years says a lot about him, you know, and that's, that's a testament to his perseverance, his, uh, you know, agility, and to his horniness. So, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. Yes. Uh, look, uh, to be serious, though, you got to want to play baseball. To be a guy like that in a situation like this, you got to want to play baseball to be Eric Surkamp. I know that we'll forget about these guys tomorrow. The story's Kershaw. The story's Granke. Yeah. The story's, you know, Jock Peterson. When you're a prospect like Peterson, when you're a stud like Kershaw and Granke, you, you're working hard. These guys work their ass off. But it's a little easy because you know when you get up every day, you get to go play. Your job's not in yeah. jeopardy. You have one bad start. You're not going to get yeah. released. When you're Chinway Sao at 34 years old making a comeback, when you're Eric Surkamp, you know, yeah. with the White Sox and AAA, coming to L.A., pitching in one game, getting DFA'd again, you're on the bubble every day. Yeah. And you got to want to play baseball to be a guy like this. Not that Kershaw and Grinke don't. Those guys certainly do. But it's a different situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma yeah. City's a little different yeah. than, uh, than L.A. And, and making the 
major league minimum prorated over how many days you're in the you're, you're in the active roster versus making two hundred million dollars is a little different. <laughs> Money's not everything, but that security matters. I'm about to say, yeah, it definitely helps. You yeah. know, <laughs> what's the what's the issue with? Because you said he was banned in these other leagues. So what the, what, the majors don't have any question about uh, you know, bringing him back? There was a story about it at the time because the Australian Baseball League was like, we can't do it because you're banned. There was a concern there. And I don't remember what Major League Baseball said. If I remember correctly, the Dodgers had to get permission to sign him. To, yeah. From um, his parents. You think there's some yeah. sort of... <laughs> <laughs> but had to get permission. Had to get... I don't know if it was a blessing or what. I know that there are these international baseball federations like you have with every sport. Yeah. And I don't know what it was, but I know they had to consult Major League Baseball. And then I assume the Taiwanese League to figure out if he could be signed or whatever. And maybe MLB takes precedent worldwide mm-hmm. because it's sort of you know the first and the biggest and whatever. But uh, I love it. I'll take him. Win some games, make some saves. Uh, exactly. The thing that, the thing some that trips out. me out is a week ago, four days ago, he was in Oklahoma City. Chinway Sao was sitting in Oklahoma City after ten years removed yeah. from his last major league win, thinking, "What the hell am I doing here?" Yeah. Right. You know, it's, life changes real fast. Well, he found himself <laughs> back to the big stage. Oh, yeah. Let's and hope this time around he's he's there to play and and not pay. And he's here for now. And to be honest, when they signed him in January, he was throwing the ball real well. Reports were saying he was throwing real hard. So if we've got another guy in the bullpen there who's throwing hard, throws strikes, gets outs, hey, Baez. that's effectively a trade for them, right? Sal is effectively, because we're talking sure. about, we've been thinking about, you know, do you go trade for a bullpen reliever? Well, maybe Sal is your quote-unquote trade. You know, your newly acquired guy near the trading deadline. Maybe they go get another, but there's another depth piece. I miss the game that he pitched, but were they talking much about his return on the broadcast? Did oh, you of course. Because yeah. like, I... I love how deep you went in there. They're probably not mentioning all the all the naughty things that he's been doing, <laughs> which I wish they did, but they're not. They're not going to. If Howard Stern was uh, commentating the game, it would have been. Well, that would be great if uh, if Scully was just like traded wins for sex or like something. It's just like <laughs> and two one. You know? It's interesting too that that with the Pete Rose stuff going on around you know baseball generally, yeah. that Major League Baseball would take the risk with a guy like this, but obviously they felt good enough to do it. Yeah, yeah good. Um, maybe, he's, maybe he's cleaned up whatever. Let, you know, second chance. And familiarity. I mean, he's a former Dodger. His last Major League win was in Colorado. His last Major League appearances were in 07 with Los Angeles. Dodgers, yeah. So if you've been a Dodger fan for a while, you remember this guy. I mean, the Dodgers took him from the Rockies when he was still kind of a prospect. Throws hard. Never worked out. Didn't throw the ball well never you know his major league track record is not good but you never know 10 years removed you can hit your peak in your mid-30s let's go <laughs> he could i mean how many times do you see baseball players do that uh, it's happening more and more yeah. though, right i yeah. mean look at yeah. and these are otherworldly guys but look at randy johnson who plays forever oh, now yeah. chinway sal is nowhere near that but who's to say he can't catch lightning in a bottle for three yeah. months well how old is he his arm is probably a little younger than you think because he yeah. probably wasn't pitching as much as he would have been if he would have stayed in the majors yeah so. that's true he that's might actually, have a lot more so if anything left. he may have preserved some years on that arm yeah you know that's a great so. point he was out of baseball for a couple yeah. of years even when you're playing in Taiwan or if he'd gone to Australia you're not playing 162 yeah. so his arm maybe is a you know a, I don't know how you'd quantify it but a 30 year old's arm sure. or a 34 year old body yeah. whatever <laughs> uh, good for him now he is not an all-star obviously he's got exactly one inning or two innings now under his belt we have five Dodgers all-stars though Jock Peterson Zach Greinke that was obvious Yasmani Grandal uh, Adrian Gonzalez also obvious and just announced just added Clayton Kershaw um, first things first, the final vote is a crock. Three of the five got in. Carlos Martinez won it. Kershaw got in because Max Scherzer won't be playing. And Troy Tulowitzki got in because D. Gordon got injured. So the final vote didn't actually end up being a final vote when 60% of it gets in anyway. I know, right? But, it was cool in the American League. Because, yeah. you know, they, uh, uh, but I think they still had two off the American League. So it wasn't well, as... Brett, yeah, Brett Gardner got in, too. Yeah. And Mike Moustakis and then, won it. So you're Dozier talking about... got in. You're talking about... And Dozier got in, too? Yeah. So you're they talking announced about, it at the game. He's like, puts, he's like, all right, I'm playing. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But, hey, he had a great week, though, too. Oh, my he God. Two yeah. walk home runs. Anyways, let's talk Minnesota. So, yeah. so, so you're looking at, not to get too far off the Dodgers, but you're looking at 6 out of 10 final vote guys getting in the All-Star game anyways. Are these legit? Cool. Like, is Scherzer just not playing? Is he, or is he just like, I need to rest? And It's a weird dynamic there because this game means so much compared to all the other major sports. The home field advantage. Home field, I don't know yeah. if you guys want to chit-chat about that for a second, but so if you're really injured, but you get, in, but what if you lose the game and you could have pitched? Scherzer could pitch in the All Star game, and now you don't have Game Seven at home in the World Series. All these questions. Yeah, I don't. Do you guys like that format? I hate it. I hate. It. hate first off, not to be a pessimist and a miser, I hate the fan vote. I prefer the player vote. The players got some votes right that the fans would have never gotten. I know. I know the Rockies real well. Rockies starting second baseman DJ LeMahieu should have been an All Star. The fans were never going to vote him in. The players did. That was the correct move. He's 
one of several very good second basemen this year. The fan but, vote is stupid. The only thing that exemplifies it is the Kansas City Royals fiasco this year. You know, if you yeah. if you want to make the All Star game matter, if you want to do home field advantage in the World Series with this game that's an exhibition, don't let the fans decide it. Because when the fans decide it, yeah. eight Royals are going to start. We're lucky that didn't happen. Now, now let me. Uh, but I'm just going to counter that for a second, Bobby. You know, at the end of the day, you got to realize what are All Star games for. Then, then, the fans. Then don't make it for the Don't make it count. Then don't make it a home field advantage in the World Series. Yeah, make it irrelevant. That's the thing. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, but still, I think that um, the fact that they make it count also gives raises the stakes on it as well. Otherwise, it's just a, really an exhibition game that doesn't matter at all. So at least I do like the fact that they do make it. Um, obviously, the winner gets home field advantage. I understand what you're saying. If you let the fans vote for everybody, you are going to miss some, you know, some some uh, well notable or qualified players. But you know, I'm, I, my guess, my question is, what is the correct way to fix the formula? Then, so therefore, you don't. How long have they been doing the, this format again? Listen, fan the... voting's been going on for decades. The Cincinnati Reds in the six or in the fifties, they stuffed ballots. Okay, Cincinnati Reds fans in 1957, I think the year was stuffed ballots. This is yeah. not new. Well, how long have you been doing this format with the home field? This hasn't been this that is long. The second year, third year? Yeah, yeah. this is a few years ago. The thing that's fun about it now, I mean, okay, uh, as a player, it's maybe frustrating, but as a fan, I'm so excited on Tuesday. You know, I'm DVR in the game, and I will watch the game from first pitch to last pitch because the game they play that game so hard. And it's great seeing the best baseball players in the world play every inning so hard because the game means so much. But take away, let the fans vote on, you know, part of the roster. But when it comes down to starters and guys are going to be playing some serious innings, let the coaches well, and the well, managers don't get, don't the managers get the final say so on uh, here the final spots, but all the guys who get in at the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. the first yeah. the first round is fans. Adrian Gonzalez got in by the fans. Should he have gone anyways? Of course, but yeah. he was a fan vote yeah. at first base. Here's the solution. Let the player vote be the first vote. The players vote for the starters. The coaches fill out their roster. And instead of letting Bruce Bochy alone fill out the roster, let the NL coaches and managers vote collectively to fill it out. Then in each league, give the fans five spots. You know, mm. so it's not one spot. You don't have a one in fifteen chance of your player doing it or whatever. Give the fans five spots a league and just let them vote like crazy for three weeks. Do they still have the guaranteed spot for one per team thing? Yes. That I, I don't. I, I mean, I know it's oh, it's special moment. No, your team stinks. <laughs> if, if it's the Phillies, no one on the Phillies is going <laughs> to the All Star game. I I don't want to. And he doesn't. You know, they don't want to be. They don't want to stand there and get their name announced. It's like now batting two eighteen for the Phillies, and it's like I like it. I like the I one per team really? thing. I really do. Yeah, I really do. I think every team should have a representative there. I think when you put it on the players and the coaches instead of the fans, they'll get a good representative from each team. And then when you give the fans that final five or whatever it is, you know, the the thing on Twitter the other day they did the final vote on Twitter on Thursday or whatever it was last week. That was fun. It was yeah. a little annoying to see all the tweets, but that was fun. That's fine. Yeah. But do it for a couple guys. Don't let the fans vote for the starting lineups and then do the final vote. Give the starting lineups to people who know what's actually going on. Let baseball players decide which baseball players are going to play in a baseball game and then let the fans open it up for subs and backups and stuff who are going to impact the game anyways. That's fine. Oh, yeah, of course. But let the players decide first. And um, then we're yeah. really going to see an all-star team. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. really going to see guys who deserve to be there. The thing I want to see the, the only most, thing about yeah. deserving to be there, and I know we got to move on, but, you know, the only thing about deserving to be there is I'm a little partial is the as far as the one representative for Team One as well because I, I don't feel you should give a consolation prize to somebody who's not really worthy of being there, but because they're yeah. What if they're batting in the ninth? Someone I, I'm going to bring up the Phillies because we're just going to bash them. <laughs> I love someone how you're the, just bashing the Phillies. Someone so. for the Phillies is up in the ninth inning, and it's and that's going to determine uh, if the Cardinals have you know or the Dodgers have home field. It's just well, guess what? If that, you're going to you make it home perform. field as a fan. I don't care about voting. I want to see the best athletes on the field as a fan. Mm. Now, if no Dodgers make it, boo-hoo. I'm watching the game. Yeah. So if you're, and they're not going to take away this this home field advantage thing. They're they're going they're loving it. And they're getting good ratings yeah. because of it. So they're going to keep it. Get get rid of the fan vote. But they're not going to either. But if I, as a fan, I don't care about getting on online and voting 35 times for one person, which I don't even know how that works. It's just it, the whole the whole system is is crap. They're just trying to please. Everybody at once, and it's you, you don't you really can't have please to do everybody. That. No, but you got to please you got to please the masses, which are the people watching this, which are the fans, and I think that's the priority, and I think they got that right. So at the end of the day, 
Whether you love it or not, you know, it's a formula that looks like it's going to be here to stay for a little while. Who and, is on it for the Phillies? And it's all and it's all glorified <laughs> PR. That's all this is. It's glorified PR. Yeah, uh, it's last Ryan point Howard. on <laughs> the Dodger All-Stars before we move on. Yeah. The five who are in, any of them not deserving? Or do you like all five in the game? And who did not get in for the Dodgers that should have? Ooh, okay. I got my list here. Uh, I, I mean, it's a shame that Turner... You know, play. I, I think Turner's a, he's an all-star caliber guy. I mean, he's batting, a lot of good third basemen. That was a problem. I know yeah. that's a problem, yeah. and he's batting three oh eight. So I think as a Dodgers fan, I would love to see Turner get a shot because he's just so consistent this year. And honestly, if Peterson's not, you know, how old is he? Twenty four years old. If Peterson's not twenty four years old, he's not starting this game. I don't think he's starting this game. I know there's not a lot of great outfielders, but how how could you have a starting center fielder that's batting two thirty? And be an all-star. And striking out 105 times in 296 at-bats. Well, Because uh, look at how many home runs he's hit. 20 home runs. He's, no, he's yeah. my favorite he's player in the, the team. Derby, he's the my derby. favorite player. So, yeah. and, and, he's look, a, and he's a fan favorite. A lot I love, of fans I love him. I love him. So, but starting you know, center fielder, batting 230. And look at injuries. Look at you know Giancarlo Stanton going down. Exactly. Yeah. That was a bad exactly. thing at a bad time for them. Yeah. Um, I think the one Dodger who didn't get in, who maybe should have, could have had a case to do it, is Kenley Jansen. Kenley oh, Jansen's yeah. throwing real. I know he didn't play the whole season, but just him closing ball games has been virtually mm-hmm. automatic. Yeah. Um, I know he had one hiccup with the New York Mets, what, 10 days ago, 12 days ago. That's going to happen. But he's been virtually automatic looking real good. It's yeah. just the total numbers that hurt him. Exactly. Yeah. And it's tough to get bullpen guys in there because every team has a guy or two like Kenley Jansen. Exactly. Even the bad teams. You know, Phillies yeah. have Papelbon who's having Back a decent year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every team's got a guy or two like Kenley Jansen. So it's tough to get a bullpen guy in there. Yeah. J.P. Howell is another bullpen guy. Amazing year. As a left handed situational guy, there's almost no chance he gets into an all star game. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. But, uh, what do you yeah. think, Kev? Who got snubbed? Um, you know, I, I would honestly, I would go, I would say Turner as well. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not going to lie. It's funny. Initially, I was not a big fan of Turner. I was not, especially last year. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was a hater of him, but I just was not that high on him. But he really won me over this year. He really did. And I just love the energy and enthusiasm he brings to the team. In addition to, you know, the power that he brings as well. So And, um, and the gingerness I like too. Love the, the yeah. gingerness. Oh, you got to love yeah. the ginger, you know. You need a couple. Brett Anderson, Justin Turner, you got a yeah. couple. Good gingers. You need those guys who beards. are yeah allergic to the sun. You know, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Playing um, night games. And Rollins. I mean, gosh, he got snubbed too. I know we were. Talking- oh man, Rollins. Even <laughs> starting shortstop. Uh, Put him lead off for the all. <laughs> this go. show's quickly going off the rails. <laughs> hey, speaking of off the rails, that's a hell of a transition. You're welcome. Let's talk NL West. San Diego Padres. What the hell is going on? Uh, they're off the rail. They are a game out of last place in the NL West. This is not how this was supposed to go. Now, the Giants, they go 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Okay, teams are going to have hiccups. Mm. The Dodgers are going to do it You know, two weeks from now. Who knows? That's going to happen. I know the Giants are going to be around close enough at the end of the year, mm-hmm. barring massive injuries or something. Yeah. The Padres, they're talking about selling everybody they just acquired. Here's something crazy for you guys. I doubt it will happen, but I'll open it up to you. James Shields is supposed to be on the trading block. The Dodgers made one move with this team already this year. Do they make another? I now, how open are the Padres to that deal? Like, do they want to keep well giving all these guys away in the, within the division? Here's the thing: about, yeah, you would never trade in division, but the only way I could see it happening, and it's a zero point zero one percent chance of it happening, is if Preller, the Padres GM AJ Preller, decides that he's going to blow everything up and start fresh with his own guys. Which I suppose could happen if he's going to trade these guys away, and maybe he needs to replenish the farm system, which he does. They have nobody in that farm system anymore. I don't see them trading a James Shields to L.A., but he's supposedly on the trading block, which is kind of insane to begin with, and Mm. A.J. Preller's proved he's insane, so... I don't see it happening. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I I agree as well with the long shot. I think it's an extreme long shot. First of all, it's it's, it's within the same division, which is kind of like a cardinal no-no. Um, no pun intended with the Cardinals there, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'll say this. I, I yeah, it's not going to happen. Do they are the Padres? Then I agree with you. I'm just throwing it out there because I'm looking at his rumors and I'm looking at the Dodgers need a starter, and I'm saying, wait a second, Preller's certifiably insane in yeah. all the right ways. You never know. They already did it once with Matt Kemp. Um, are you? Supr- I mean, but going into the year, I remember a lot of people were high on San Diego and they had a, a decent start. But I, I honestly never, and this is not just because I'm a Dodgers homer, but I really didn't think they were going to make a push. I was, I'm not surprised by this at all. They don't play very good defense. They never played very good defense, and they still don't hit. 
Their mm-hmm. infield still doesn't hit. You have Alexi Amarista and Clint Barmas in the middle infield. You got Jed Jerko, yeah. who had collapsed earlier in the year and is now back from AAA at second base. And you've got Will Middlebrooks at third base. You have infielders who don't hit. You have outfielders who are injured. Will Myers is having huge wrist issues, and the other guys aren't hitting. And I'm looking at their rotation, and I'm mm-hmm. saying, you know, James Shields, Cashman, Tyson Ross. This looks pretty good. Josh Johnson might be coming back soon. This is interesting for them, but I'm looking at their at their lineup, and it's like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. You play in a very pitcher-heavy park. You didn't hit last year, and that was your big problem, and you didn't do anything to fix it. Matt Kemp helps, for sure, mm-hmm. but the Uptons don't necessarily help. <laughs> well, it sounds, <laughs> like, it sounds like coming from you, you said 0.001%, but it sounds like you might think it's a little bit maybe bigger chance that they might acquire I, someone. Uh, Listen, I think I I think and nobody's really recognizing this, maybe not. I think the Padres have to be hard hard sellers at the deadline. I think they need to realize right now that they're not good enough to make a playoff run even if they get real hot and they'd have to get real hot. God, to if do they it. bail again on a team, it's I like think, is that city's going to stick around and keep put, you know going through this. AJ Preller's insane and I mean that as a compliment. He's willing to make moves nobody else is willing to make. That's why I brought Craig Kimbrell in on opening day. I think Kimbrell might go, the Uptons might go, Shields might go. Anybody else you know Kashner Tyson Ross those guys might go I know it's insane but maybe he looks at it and says I, I we got to blow it up I want my own guys I, I, I kind of think what happened and just just going off to the offseason coming into this obviously there was a lot of optimism within that franchise the the San Diego base and I honestly think they did make a lot of good key uh, acquisitions during the offseason and I think looking at the on looking at them on paper Prior to the season, I think even myself would have been like they have as good as any chance to be competitive in a, you know a very difficult division. I just don't feel it's panned out for them. Re- uh, reasons high to yes, that lineup has not necessarily um, prospered the way that you know a lot of people would have thought, but. You know, they I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have stink. written them off, though. That's the crazy thing. Nobody even thought it would prosper. Clint Barmas, Alexi Amarista, Will Middlebrooks, these are not options. Yeah. Clint yeah. Barmas is a utility guy and a very valuable one. But you need a real shortstop. Mm-hmm. Go get a real shortstop. So he came to the conclusion, you, Padres stink. Yes. Boom. Yeah. I think the Padres, <laughs> listen. So if, you don't think they can turn it around? No. Absolutely not. In, in this <laughs> no, regard. I don't want them to. <laughs> in this regard, and the Padres, had they, with the roster they had, if they had added some offensive pieces, that would have been a real exciting rivalry between LA and San Diego this year. Yeah. And it still could be. I mean, they could go get a shortstop. They could go get a Troy Tulowitzki. I doubt it. Again, it's in the division. But they could do something like that. But I look at that team, and it's like, wait a second. They may be more disappointing than the Rockies. The yeah. Rockies knew they were going to suck. The Padres expected to be pretty decent, mm-hmm. and they're not. They're well, at least the Rockies will have one bad season and then come back the next year and make the World Series or something. Yeah, that's or what everybody make tells Make a playoff them. run. But so, the, but when's the, the last Padres, time San Diego made a, a serious run at anything? Well, it's been a while, and they finished 500 each of the last two years. Yep. And this year, I mean, obviously you can't take the last 10 days alone mm-hmm. as gospel. But this team is not good. No. This team has a lot of issues. And the starters they were counting on, Tyson Ross, Andrew Kashner, have had some trouble. And we're happy about it. I'm I'm so happy they stink. I'm happy that Colorado stinks. And we're going to have plenty of games against them in the second (laughs) half. And we should sweep every series against them. That's why I want to sweep. Man, you are optimistic. (laughs) Well, I just see all those games like I told you. I wrote that. That was half of my notes. I hate seeing Pittsburgh and Washington and plenty of games against the Giants. Get the wins against the teams that stink. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I get the ones against the teams that stink and bring your A game against the teams that you know bring theirs. Yeah, so last thing on uh trades and NL West and stuff before we go to our final thoughts, Shields not gonna happen. That 0.01% mm-hmm. chance, I think, is, is apropos, and maybe it's even 0.01 that he gets moved. Period. But for the Dodgers, who do you like? Who do you see? Predict a trade from me right now, Jared. That's a really good question. I think that the White Sox are going to bail on Samarja. And I know he's an ace caliber guy. But the Dodgers, they spend money. And they're not going to, we were talking earlier about they don't need another ace kind of guy. But we'd all love it if all of a sudden he comes walking in. And yeah, you don't he's have, there. You're you not don't, have, you don't have to go to Beachy or Frias or these guys who are struggling. I, I, and the White Sox are in last place in their division. And the White Sox always make a ton of moves. Their farm system is actually pretty decent, uh, not like San Diego. Uh, I think I, I really think they're going to make a hard push for Samarja because Cueto's on every team's mind. Samarja, not as many. I think they go for a hard push on Samarja and maybe give the White Sox a, a few young prospects and some cash. The wild card with the Dodgers is they can eat a lot of contracts. Yeah. They're not afraid to do it. They did it with Matt Kemp. They're not afraid to do it with anybody. So yeah. absolutely. That's what I'm going for. 
You know, you said you said this guy's off people's he's because he's on so many radars, he's off the Dodgers. But I, I say, what the hell? They go for Cueto. And honestly, the reason I say that the Dodgers have showed us in the past that they don't give a damn. They will go after. I mean, they had the highest payroll what the last few years, uh, last year and the year before. I think they do it now. Now the question is, if they do go after somebody like that, who do they give up? And, and me and Bobby were actually talking about that earlier. You know, and I'm not even going to say his name because I'm not even going to put the rumor out there. Do it, but. Um, What's it rhyme with? Uh, it, it rhymes with, uh, well, his initials are YP. Okay. So, and that rhymes with YG, a rapper. Gotcha. All right, but anyways, um, yeah, you know, which which as a Dodger fan, I would never want to see that. I would never want to see that as a Dodger fan. But um, I, you know, the, the question is, if they do go after somebody like that, what do they have to give up? And then when you think about what they have to give up, then you think give up cash. They have a big bank account. <laughs> they could do that. That is true as well. Yeah. That is true as well. But. Um, I definitely think, you know, they, we have already talked this whole show about how they have two solid aces. I don't think having three solid aces would hurt, you know, especially on days when their lineup isn't hitting. So. You can never have too much pitching. Yeah, exactly. You never have too much of a good thing. Uh, look out for the Toronto Blue going. Jays to do the same thing the Dodgers are doing. I think if the Blue Jays get a real good frontline starter, they become an instant contender to make the World Series in the American League. So maybe look at the Blue Jays and Dodgers looking at the same guys, which is going to be an interesting... Where, where do you want to live? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, last things. A couple news items. We can skip those. I know we're a little bit behind time, and we'll discuss them next week with the All-Star Break show. Uh, they will still be around next week, of course. Last thing. Last thoughts for you guys. Just a couple minutes. Next week, we're going to talk about this in depth, but first half thoughts. Team is 51-39. and 39. What's the big takeaway? I'm happy that they're comfortably in first place, and I'm a little nervous how they're going to play against these big-time good clubs in the National League. I think the second half is going to be much more telling and how good this team is. So I'm happy they took care of business. Favorable front-loaded schedule. Now the back end, we're going to really see what they're made of. If they make a move, go for it. I could, I, But I'll understand if they don't. Because when you're 12 games over 500, keep going. And f- just figure out a way to win against these better teams with your current roster. So... I'm happy, but I need to see another level coming into the second half. Especially against better teams, especially on the road. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree. You know, I, I, I don't want to sound redundant, but I also, you know, in addition to them, to their record right now, you have to realize and uh, that they also have endured a lot of injuries this first half. And to still be atop uh, the NOS, given the injuries that they've, um, you know, that they've endured, I think it's a testament to the to the fact that, you know, they have other guys that can get it done. Now, I am concerned, and I know they're our rival, but I'm very concerned about the Giants because we know what they're capable of doing. We know that in uh, so far we've gone 3-9 and nine against them. So uh, the fact that they're right behind us, even though we're a comfortable little lead in front of them, is no time to, to coast or cruise no or coasting. any of that stuff. You know, so, you know, I think the key, uh, you, you kind of said, you know, they have to play better against good teams. And the more they do that, the more comfortable I am. That's, so. that, that's another name for the playoffs. <laughs> it's not right? playing against good teams. Um, so play better. Uh, listen, my one key at 51 and 39, you got nothing to complain about. Yeah. That being said, make a trade, get a starter. Mm. Get a starter. Uh, I have very little faith in Carlos Frias. I know he's supposed to be back relatively soon. Mm-hmm. We will never see Eric Surkamp again. I'm almost certain of that. Uh, whoever else comes up from the minor leagues, whether or not they are ready, is not ready for the playoff push like this, especially if they're young. Get a starter. Mike Bolsinger, he's been amazing. I don't think that's going to continue. I don't mm-hmm. think that he, in his young development, is ready for the playoffs. We forget how young he is, how new mm-hmm. he is. Mm-hmm. Brett Anderson's been great. Granke and Kershaw are as automatic as you can get. But you got to go get a Cole Hamels, a Johnny Cueto, any one of these frontline starters. Go get one now. They if got, they, they don't do it in the Brett next... Anderson into a padded room. <laughs> yeah, when he's not pitching, put him in a padded room <laughs> to protect him. I am going to be very disappointed if they don't make a move for a starting pitcher in the next two weeks only because they have already weathered a weird trade earlier that took the culture out of their clubhouse, Juan Uribe. When Uribe um, left, it was a weird trade. You had to get rid of a third baseman. But when you look at the culture factor, how everybody loved Uribe, how he kind of tied yeah. the clubhouse together, yeah. they weathered that. They did fine after that. They could have collapsed losing their you know off-field leader, losing and Turner, their, wow. their guy. They made a good decision. And they did make a good yeah. decision on the field. But losing their off-field guy, they've already weathered that. To me, emotionally, psychologically, mm-hmm. that's the toughest trade to make because everybody loves Juan Uribe. Yeah. He's gone, you did fine. 
what's the difference now if you trade XYZ as long as it's not, you know, a frontline. You're not going to trade Adrian Gonzalez. As long as it's not a frontline guy, you trade XYZ for a frontline starting pitcher, trade some minor leaguers for a frontline starting pitcher. I don't see how you don't weather that. Mm -hmm. You know, go get a Cole Hamels or a Johnny Cueto. I'm going to be flat out really disappointed if they don't in two weeks. Yeah. We'll see. You never have too much pitching. Yeah, agreed. Pitching is good. Um, last thing, last notes for you guys at home. Uh, if you were watching live stream, if you weren't watching live stream, hit subscribe. YouTube.com slash AfterBuzzTV. Also, at AfterBuzzTV on every single social network except for MySpace. We're not on there. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking we of can so- make that happen, though. If the fans no. want it. We can make it happen. Friendster. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have even said it. Uh, speaking of social networks, Friendster, MySpace, maybe Twitter. Fellas, where can they find you at? Well, you, I'm Kevin John. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hey Kevin John, or you can also find me on Tinder as well. Oh, <laughs> I'm joking. Yes. I'm not on Tinder. Yes. I'm joking. He's on there. <laughs> you can find me where, on Twitter. Where can they find you at? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Gilkerson Radio on Twitter. That's it. Good. I'm not an Instagram guy either. I have it. I don't use it. I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. Let us know what you thought of the show. Comment. Next week, we'll be talking about first half, doing a really in-depth look at it. We're going to do a really in-depth look at trades and stuff like that. So if you have some hypotheticals, if you have some trades you want to talk about, hit us up in the comments or on Twitter. We'll share that next week on the show. Thanks, guys. This is Dodgers Wrap 360. We will see you next Sunday. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. Views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.